Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Fire and Ice podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Thursday, August 31st. Thanks so much for joining us. I am joined today by my colleague, Drew Silva. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm in there. Um, small slate on this Thursday. What do we have? One afternoon game. One like evening, you know, 8, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then two West Coast games. Um so we're gonna we're gonna need some filler on this show, Chris. You, you got any you got any jokes? <laughs> well, yes, but none of them appropriate for this show. Apparently, you know what's funny is it kind of looks like a playoff slot, like or a playoff day, like the way the schedule is built. Like you have, um, but we know it's not because there are teams like the Nationals playing. Hey, there's a joke for you. Um, we're gonna be taking a look at some DFS options, going over some teams that make sense to stack some starting pitchers to use, and maybe some sneaky plays. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to be taking a look at the NL MVP odds, which I think we both find fascinating, and I think America does as well because it has become very interesting indeed. But, Drew, why don't we take a look and see uh, some weather stuff and some injury stuff, anything that people really need to be keeping a close eye on today. The weather looks great, and again, we're recording this in the morning, and, and things can change. But we've got mm-hmm. four games that are being played outside, not not in a, a dome, um, and they all look clear. Yankees at Tigers is that afternoon game. Uh, it was expected to be sixty-eight degrees, zero per- percent chance of per- per- precipitation, uh, eight mile an hour winds in Detroit. Uh, Marlins at National, 74 degrees, 1% chance of precipitation, nine miles blowing, nine miles per hour wind blowing out in Washington. Just like beautiful September. We're almost to September kind of weather. Uh, Giants at Padres, of course, it's gorgeous in San Diego, 70 degrees, 0% chance of precipitation, six mile per hour wind blowing out. Uh, Braves at Dodgers, 75 degrees with 0% chance of precipitation. Nine mile or an hour, nine, nine mile. Per, why can I not talk this more? Nine mile per hour wind, uh, blowing in actually. Um, and then to the injury stuff, yeah. Uh, Jorge Soler is, is one to watch again. It's a really small slate, so let's be hyper aware of yeah. who's going to be in and who's going to be out of the lineup. Um, Soler has missed the, the Marlins' last two games because of right hip tightness. He left their game against the Rays on Tuesday because of it um has not returned yet i you know it it sounds like it's something that he's dealt with in the past i know he he missed some time with it last year and maybe in some previous years as well um but the marlins are you know they're still in the nl wildcard hunt they're going to want him to play if he's able to so i'd label him as questionable for their series opener at washington um on thursday night and then lane thomas another player in that game he came out of Wednesday's uh, game because of I can't remember what the injury is but because of back tightness Wednesday's right. loss to the Blue Jays when the, the Nationals lost um, I I don't know it's it's hard to say with him it sound uh, Nationals manager Dave Martinez said it was a precautionary thing so there's there's a chance that he could be right back in there for the series opener against the Marlins after leaving the series finale against the Blue Jays but it's a pretty quick turnaround and there's some travel involved and when you're talking about a back injury, sometimes travel can make it worse. Um, so something to keep an eye out there because he's been, you know, one of their most consistent hitters all year in that Washington lineup. Absolutely. Yeah. That's 
two that you just have to pay close attention to. It's going to play a, a factor in one of my stacks for sure. Uh, we'll be talking about it in just one second. Actually, let's just go get into those stacks. And Drew, we're going to do one team apiece. Normally we do two. But I wanted to ask you real quick before we get into it. Does it make sense maybe to use two teams on a day like today when you have such a small slate? Or are you probably just using one stack if you're going with uh, this type of lineup? I think on a light slate like this, you have to nail everything, right? You right. To have that winning lineup. So I think you want to get the best stack that you can. If there is going to be a team that outproduces every other team on the slate, you know, that's kind of a given but you also probably want to think even more contrarian than usual as you fill mm-hmm. out some other elements of your lineup. And hey, that's where the fantasy sports logic contrarian edge optimizer sure helps a lot. Like I'll I'll start. I, I'd say the Giants are pretty contrarian in general as, as a team that doesn't have the most dangerous offense on paper, but somehow currently occupies that third National League wildcard spot um, at five games over the 500 mark. That's been changing every day. Um, there's a lot of teams that are limping <laughs> towards the finish line in that NL wildcard race, but I like the Giants here. I, Lamont Wade likely batting leadoff against right-hander Pedro Avila and the Padres bullpen. The Padres just having suffered two crushing walk-off losses in a row at St. Louis as their wildcard hopes fade. Like they, they really might be done. Um, Tyro Estrada when he's healthy is probably the most dynamic offensive player that the giants have a, a bit of power and speed, able to fill up box scores in a lot of different ways. I'd stack him in there. JD Davis can give us some power or, you know, Hey, we'll take an RBI double or two uh, from JD Davis, Patrick Bailey emerging as you know the likely catcher of the future catcher of the present in San Francisco. Um, let's throw him in there to round things out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you want to go with one stack. It depends on how many lineups you're making, right? You know, and right. which is what uh, the contrarian edge optimizer can help you just generate lineups and you, you almost like set it and forget it. But filling in some other, you know, spots, I think you want to think more contrarian. Like, I don't know, Atlanta seems like an obvious stack in this one, but they're facing – Lance Lynn, does he kind of calm them down? He he has a tendency, or he's had a tendency to do that with the Dodgers so far. So so maybe you fade Atlanta, or maybe you pick out some pieces of Atlanta's li- lineup that you like, but you don't necessarily stack them. You go with a contrarian stack. And speaking of the contrarian stack, by the way, do want to remind everyone that you can check out that contrarian edge optimizer for seven days for just one dollar. You can use the QR code on your screen. So the QR code on your screen or go to fantasysportslogic.com to learn more. Drew, you gave me your uh, inability to talk there for a second. That was a, a pretty neat little magic trick you did. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, I am going to go extremely contrarian and I'm going to talk about using a team that has not scored more than four runs in 10 games and i'm gonna go with the miami marlins and part of it is i think that offense is a little bit due it can't be this bad for that long coming off a shutout you know you take a look at statistics teams that get shut out often put up big offensive numbers games next and a lot of times they're helped by the fact that they're facing bad pitchers and they're facing a bad one today in yona don i really like miami's chances to score a bunch of runs today now jorge soler He's in my lineup if he's playing today, but there's a very good mm-hmm. chance that he won't be. So you got to be paying very close attention to that. So I'm going to go 
if uh, Soler is not in the lineup with someone like Brian De La Cruz or maybe slide somebody in that I'm not necessarily thinking of at the top of my head. But for my four, assuming they're playing today, I'm going Jake Berger, who has been excellent since that trade. Jazz Chisholm, hopefully providing me with a little combo meal. Uh, Jorge Soler, and then Joey Wendell. Look, I don't think a lot of people are going to be stacking the Marlins today, even with Yona Don on the mound, who is just not a good pitcher. Like, you take a look, well over 40% in hard hit rate. He was terrible last year. The results have been a little better this year. I'm still going to be confident having guys go up against that team. Uh, I'm going with the Marlins as my stack, and I'm either going to finish very high or I'm going to finish near the bottom, but I like my chances of uh, taking, I like taking my chances on a light slate like tonight. Yeah. Joey Wendell is like the contrarian of all contrarian yes. plays. Cause he's been just, yes. I think he has like four extra base hits this year. Just Oof. been really bad for the Marlins. I, I think he's hurt. I mean, he's been like, there were, there were little physical issues in, in the first half of the season. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it comes out, you know, uh, four weeks from now that he's undergoing some type of surgery because he's right. he's not this bad of a player. Uh, but he's been in their lineup against right-handed pitchers. You know, John Birdie has has been getting more playing time, but I, I would expect Wendell to to be in there. And he's just due. He's due for some extra base hits is what we're going to say, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's He's due for some positive aggression. And, you know, even if he only gives you a couple of hits and a steal, he might be a pretty nice play at the shortstop position today. So there, there, you can do worse. You can do a heck of a lot better. But I will take my chances with that guy. Um, but Jake Berger has really impressed me, uh, in, in tw- yeah. especially at, since the trade. And he's one of my favorite stories as a guy who basically tore his ACL twice um, and then dealt with some foot injuries as well. Um, one of the more advanced bats of that draft class is traded uh, at the deadline. You know, I think Jake Berger can be a really nice little fantasy option down the stretch. Um, let's talk about some starting pitchers to use. And I'll just go real quick first. It is in the morning slate, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of like this. I like, and it's morning for me. It's afternoon for everybody else. Sometimes I forget that I'm on the West Coast. Uh, Matt Manning against the Yankees. I am using starting pitchers that are usable against the Yankees as often as possible down the stretch. That is just not a quality lineup. And the fact that it's going to be an afternoon game and I'm going to get some shadows plays up for me. I think that Matt Manning has a chance to be successful. Give me six innings of two or three run baseball. Give me six or seven strikeouts. And outside of one guy in particular who, Drew, you're going to talk about, this is a contrarian type of day. This is a day where you're not going to be seeing the big name starting pitchers going today. I think Manning is actually a really underrated fantasy option right now in redraft and in dynasty. And I think he's a little bit underrated in DFS as well. Yeah. And that Yankees lineup is horrible right now, but let me have you while, while I have you on this show, Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells are coming up sure. on Friday, likely to debut. You know, they're, they're going to be the two September call-ups for the Yankees. People remember now you only get two September call-ups. Right. Um, if you're playing season-long fantasy, or even if you're thinking like future DFS lineups, is Jason Dominguez ready? <laughs> is Austin Wells ready? Like, I, oh. I think these guys are going to play a lot <laughs> down the stretch because the Yankees like, I mean, that lineup is terrible, and they need to inject some sort of excitement into the final month of, of the year. What has it been a horrible year? Yeah, I don't 
think so, but I yeah. at least keeping an eye on it. And I'm certainly a little more interested, I think, in DFS just to see like what's going to happen here. I can't just put him right into my lineup right away, but there is the fact that Jason Dominguez is they called him the Martian for a reason. This is an extremely talented athlete who can hit for hit for power, has a good approach at the plate, and he has very good speed. So he can provide those stolen bases, those combo meals. I just think that he he did hit well in AAA. It's an extremely small sample, very small sample of AAA. And to me, Drew, this screams more the Yankees showing their fans, hey, this is why we stink. It's okay. We've got some good <laughs> stuff that's on the way. It just seems more like a, you know how preseason football, they show those like, um, you watch a lot of preseason football and you see like there's a ton of ads for get your season tickets, get your season tickets. This is what you're watching. I know that you're watching the second and third stringers right now, but get your season tickets. The games are going to be really fun. This screams something like that for the Yankees where it's more about like, giving the fans a little glimpse into the future than suggesting that these guys are ready to be MLB players. Austin Wells becomes even more interesting just because he's a catcher, you know, that you mm -hmm. got to use one uh, in redraft leagues, you know, having a, the second catcher, maybe you take a look at that because he's not coming up to just sit like those guys, I think are going to get some playing time, but I have some significant doubts about whether or not they're ready to actually play major league baseball. And it's why, uh, Anybody who's holding the Yankee World Series tickets can go ahead and probably um, put those in the recycle bin right now. Yeah, I was kind of ready for Jason Dominguez to to be a, a huge bust because he had drawn so much hype before his 18th birthday. Um, and he got off to a, a slow start this year at Double A Somerset. I mean, that, that was a, a big level jump for him. I think I guess he he started the year at age 19 or right around his 20th birthday. He's still 20 years old here on August 31st. And he yeah, he struggled for about 2 months and then like something I think clicked for him in early July and he went on a tear which mm -hmm. prompted the the promotion to, to the AAA level. Like his last 50 games between AA and AAA, he batted 348 with a 419 on base, 507 slug, five homers, 21 steals. That was over his last 50 games in the minors. So, you know, could be a speed threat, could get on base and, and make some noise. I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see what, what he does at the major league level in this little cup of coffee. I agree with you. It's more of like, you know, marketing than, than like, let's sure. actually be a good baseball team over the final month of the year. But um, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Uh, back to my starting pitchers you should use, like Spencer Strider's the the yeah. obvious pick. I guess you could fade him against the Dodgers. You know, that would be the opponent to fade Strider against, but it's like you can't miss out on the upside he brings in the strikeouts Good department, point. especially if you're playing on a site that requires two starting pitchers, on a, on a, like a stack that requires two starting pitchers. There's only six starters to choose from among the main night game slate. Um, Strider struck out 236 batters and 153 in a third inning so far this season. He had 11 strikeouts in his only other matchup against the Dodgers this year. That was back in May, and he's been even better in the second half than he was in the first half. And you know, as he moves up the odds leaderboard for the NL Cy Young Award, Blake Snell is actually your current favorite. He's at plus 100 on DraftKings. Strider is just behind Snell at plus 180. 
Uh, Zach Allen has fallen to plus 400. Justin Steele, plus 900. Uh, Logan Webb, plus 3,000. Uh, you kind of get the picture there. I, I have another starting pitcher that I would recommend. Uh, Braxton Garrett at Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this isn't the most dominant-minded play in daily fantasy. It's not a Spencer Strider, but... Again, we've, we've got to think a little contrarian with so few teams being active here on Thursday. Um, and he's, you know, not actually that contrarian given given the options. Like a 3.96 ERA, 1.17 whip, 135 strikeouts in 134 innings this season. Uh, Garrett has shown tremendous control with only 21 walks in his 26 total outings this year, 25 of those being starts. He's been pitching deep into games in the second half because – the Marlins have needed to with all the, the workload concerns they have for some of their younger starters. Um, Washington actually matches up well against left-handers and, and Garrett is left-handed. Um, even though sure. Washington's lineup isn't necessarily filled with stars, there are some productive right-handed bats in there, but I think you'd take a solid, like somewhat lengthy start from him and, and hope for a win and, you know, a strikeout per inning or, or a little bit North of that. And, and that could help you put, put you over the top. Absolutely. I like both of those calls. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the fact that Strider is the guy that it's going to cost you a pretty penny, but he's the type of guy that you basically almost have to find a way to put into your lineup. Let's look at some guys that you don't necessarily think of as options in that lineup Our contrarian optimizer values. Um, I don't know if Max Muncie is a contrarian play per se, but you may not be thinking of Max Muncy a whole heck of a lot when you're talking about facing a guy like Spencer Strider. But I'm going to suggest him anyway because he is red hot with the bat right now. He is 11 for his last 27 over his last six games. Two homers, 11 RBIs. And Drew, we have seen Max Muncy go on these runs. We have seen Max Muncy and we have seen the opposite too where he is falling down that hill. He's kind of a Sisyphus type of player where he can get some real motivation going up that thing and then things can fall apart real quick. But right now he's on that hot streak and I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing Max Muncy today because of the fact that they'll be facing Spencer Strider. I've always struggled with putting somebody in my lineup who's facing my starting pitcher because good thing happened, bad thing happened too. But if you end up not using Spencer Strider, if you end up going with like a Max Man, Max uh, Matt Manning, uh, Yona Don, or Yona Don, Matt Manning, and another starting pitching option, I think Max Muncy absolutely makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's talking stuff, man. No, I mean it. It makes sense. Like you're you're not going to be able to avoid you know using hitters against your own pitcher on on this kind of slate. You know, and I I think you you got to get a piece of that Dodgers lineup. It's not like Spencer Strider's been awesome at run prevention this year. He's been awesome at striking batters out. There has been you know there have been starts where he just completely shuts down the opposition. But the Dodgers are the kind of team that can can get to him a little bit, and it makes sense to have a couple pieces or at least one piece. I think of that lineup with so few options on the board. Uh, Jake Alou kind of sticks out to me as, as being very contrarian as, as an optimizer pick. He's been serving as an everyday player for the Nationals between second base and left field, more left field recently since they lost Stone Garrett. Um, he has a 238 average of 571 OPS through his first 91 major league plate appearances, but there is some power and some speed in his profile, whether long term or maybe it comes out here on Thursday night. Um, 
you know, it was an annual double digit home run and stolen base guy as he made his way through Washington's minor league system. I don't necessarily think he's a star, but you know, he's the kind of versatile piece with a little bit of an intriguing skill set that the Nationals are going to need to get out of this rebuilding mode. I, I could see him doing something against the Marlins and, and Braxton Garrett on Thursday. And looking on the other side of, of that matchup, Jesus Sanchez has been sort of in and out of the Marlins lineup. He's been sitting against a lot of left-handers, but as a left-handed hitter, he should get the start Thursday in Washington against right-hander Yonah Don. Um, Sanchez has an 801 OPS in 278 plate appearances this year against right-handed pitching. I like him as, as a cheaper option to get a piece of that Marlins lineup uh, beyond some of the stacking that you mentioned earlier that you can do with that lineup. Um, Mike Yastrzemski, if if you want to get a cheap piece of the Giants lineup beyond you know those players that I mentioned earlier, um, I, I think my ideal stack is Lamont Wade, Tyro Estrada, J.D. Davis, Patrick Bailey. But if you're not going to stack that, if you're maybe going to stack Atlanta's lineup or you're going to stack Miami's lineup, you're going to stack Washington's lineup, it, it would be you know smart to throw in a guy like a Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, he could run into a homer for us at San Diego. Our contrarian edge optimizer likes him at the value. Jack Peterson, uh, the optimizer likes Jack Peterson too. Just some other names that you can think about. Eddie Rosario makes sense. Uh, to grab a cheaper piece of Atlanta's lineup, even if you kind of want to fade them because they're going to be the most popular team and you want to go a little contrarian, I'd grab someone on the cheap like an Eddie Rosario and and hope that he can eat up some RBI opportunities hitting you know toward the middle to bottom of, of that Atlanta lineup. Yeah, I like those calls a lot. Um, I was kind of looking here for some other options. Uh, I don't love... Ilmaro Vargas normally as a fantasy play, but maybe you have him as like the type of contrarian type of play. Um, I really like the Jesus Sanchez call a lot. In fact, if I was doing the daily stack, um, Sanchez would be my play if Jorge Soler is not in the lineup today. But uh, you, I think you can justify both. I think you can absolutely take a look at using both players. Uh, before we close out our show, Drew, let's spend the next five or so minutes talking about that National League MVP because look, it has been one of the more interesting races to watch in a year where, look, the American League, as much as I love my Julio Rodriguez and the run he's been on, the American League MVP is over. It is actually over. I think we thought the National League MVP was over, uh, maybe coming into August, but a, a certain really good bowler has kind of changed things a little bit. So let's take a look. Um Let's take a look and see uh, what. I don't know why odds... that got me, but that was good. <laughs> there you go. He's he's a good bowler, and he provides uh, the Red Sox with just a ton of financial flexibility. Sorry, Red Sox fans who are listening to this right now. Uh, the MVP odds as we currently have them: we have Ronald Acuna Jr. at minus one forty-five, Mookie Betts, that bowler of bowlers, at plus one hundred, Freddie Freeman at plus twelve hundred, Matt Olson at plus nine thousand. Bryce Harper at plus two twenty thousand, Luis Arias, not surprising, at plus twenty thousand, and also Cody Bellinger. It looks like he's at that plus twenty thousand as well. If you're making a bet, Drewbert Silver, my friend of friends for a very long time, where are you laying that money down? Cody Bellinger at plus twenty thousand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's obviously a, a two-person race as, yeah. as those odds laid out. And I hadn't really thought about it 
um, this race in a while because it it seemed like Ronald Acuna had just was just away running with away with it, and it's not it's not like Acuna has slumped at all. He's been awesome so far in the second half. But Mookie Betts is having he's had like the the best month of his career here in August. I'm just I'm just gonna read off the stats for you since August first, August first to August thirtieth, a 4.54 batting average, Goodness. a 13.09 OPS. Nine homers, 26 RBIs, three steals, 32 runs scored in 27 games. Insane. It's just gone bonkers as the Dodgers have run away with the NL West. Um, Acuna, I think, right now has the narrative. And these odds are different across a lot of different books. We were just reading off what DraftKings had to offer. What was that again? It was Acuna was minus 145. Mookie right. Betts plus 100. Um, I don't know. Acuna has the narrative of being kind of the season-long leader, and I think that'll help him, or at least it helps him right now being perceived as like, oh, he's the runaway NL MVP. Um, but the, if you look at war, if you look at a lot of like just standard yes. baseball card numbers, Betts leads him right now. The only mm-hmm. thing that Acuna is like has a huge leg up on is stolen bases and stolen bases don't always get a ton of love like in MVP awards. Like the, the voting block has changed. Remember, this is an award that's voted on by baseball writers. Baseball yes. writers have gotten younger. Um, we're get, we're just getting older, but the, the voting block in general has gotten younger, and they look at more advanced statistics, and it's very close in terms of war. But like, And, and there's different kinds of war. I'm, I'm talking in circles here, but most of the war calculations have bets as a more valuable player this year than Ronald Acuna. It's, it's going to be super interesting. It's not decided yet. We have at least four weeks left to go to decide it. Um, but I don't know what's, I don't have like a, a hot take on it. This isn't going to be like a Stephen A. Smith kind of yelling at you thing, because I don't, I think it's just still up for grabs. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think Acuna should win it based on the fact that he's just been so good for so long. And don't get me wrong, Mookie Betts has been great all year. Freddie Freeman has been outstanding all year. And in fact, if you go by war, uh, like using Fangraph's war, Mookie Betts is a full win ahead of Ronald Acuna Jr. right now. That's a big difference. That is a, and don't get, I know baseball writers who literally just go to Fangraphs and look at the more leaderboards and make sure that they have these guys at least on the discussion thing. But Freddie Freeman's ahead of him as well. I'm probably going with Acuna, but it will not shock me at all if Betts wins. But I wouldn't hate laying some money down on Freddie Freeman just because if he has a big September he could do some special stuff as well. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Crawford underscore MILB. Drew is at Drew Silv. Uh, wanted to remind everyone that we have an NFL mock draft show tomorrow at noon Eastern time. It's on this same channel. It'll be awesome. A lot of you guys are going to be drafting very soon. Make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're checking this stuff out. And of course, subscribing to all that stuff. Thanks again for listening to the Fantasy Sports Fire and Ice podcast, and we'll see you next time. Mm